Springfield's called the Queen City because Queen Elizabeth visited here in 1955. Hmm. Live to a hard drive, you're listening to Spring Food Mo. Gotta do the whole thing. <laughs> Live to a hard drive from the 16th floor of the Hammonds Tower, you're listening to Spring Food Mo, America's number one podcast about restaurants in Springfield, Missouri. My name is Dan Howell. I'm Andy Carr. That fact came to us today from someone who wishes to remain, remain anonymous because he's sitting at this table <laughs> yes, because yes. we've run out of facts. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still have some facts left, but um, most of them have to do with like loss of human life yeah. or other things like that. So trying to stick away from those. <laughs> if you could send us in some more at fact at springfoodpod.com, that uh-huh. would be fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing real good. It's a really nice day out. Nice is and it? sunny. Haven't been um, outside. Oh, <laughs> nothing new there. Is it? Is it? <laughs> morning time is it well, you know i keep the curtains blacked out here in the tower <laughs> and you just tell me to come by whenever so you uh-huh. literally don't know what time we're recording <laughs> yes andy it is in fact morning time <laughs> uh, this is my last day of spring break oh, we yeah. recorded before we recorded the friday evening so i was just like fresh that feeling mm-hmm. was fresh yeah it's ready to go and today you're seeing me and our listeners are hearing me as my spring break time is dwindling. It's a big difference in tone. Yeah, it is. I'm feeling pretty lethargic. I've been a little bummed out. It's like I'm wasting the last two days of spring break feeling bummed out that spring break is going to be over. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, I know a lot of what you did on spring break, so I would say you <laughs> wasted the whole thing, really. I don't think you need to be worried about wasting the last two days. You watched almost seven hours worth of Matrix movies? No, no you no, watched no. probably watched far over that. Every Wachowski movie. Oh, okay. In order. <laughs> I watched several other movies as well. <laughs> I worked on podcast stuff every day because we have to record two episodes next week. So I did a lot of that. There's a song that's going to happen towards the end of this episode. <laughs> I did a lot of work. I mean, you fit in Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending and Cloud Outlast. So uh, yeah, that's five hours <laughs> yes. worth of uh, movies that are just okay. Ooh, I don't know if I would even say that. <laughs> I think I said to Lindsay yesterday, oh, I love not working. I'm not ready to go back. And then she pointed out that in the past, I have complained about summer break. Like mm-hmm. I like to work during the summer, number one, because there's more extra money. Sure. Number two, because the one time I did have a month of summer off, like I got stir crazy after yeah. about a week. But I realized that I have this podcast to work on. Oh, yeah. So if I can wake up and do that for the first three to five hours of the day and then just have the rest of the day to do whatever, it's great. So what I'm saying is, how can we do this for a living <laughs> <laughs> so I can quit teaching kids how to do stuff? I mean, and do something worthwhile. Who's to say you're not teaching the children and like passing your knowledge on to younger minds through this venture? Probably. Yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> couple big events just, this week. St. Patty's Day. That's today. Uh, is it? Yeah. Um, we recorded our episode for it last week because this will obviously be coming out after St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day. And we wanted to get that uh irish spirit out in there on the airwaves oh yeah in advance had a couple people not thrilled with our response to dude man's past yeah uh, spring food pod super fan carly ann uh <laughs> pretty big fan so uh, i feel like we may have let her down uh i mean i feel like we gave a pretty nuanced take on it there were some things we liked, things we didn't care for like i justified my 2.5 pretty thoroughly oh yeah no i i would definitely say so and uh that's not to say I'll never go back because they've got some stuff there that I don't think I can get elsewhere in town. Yeah. So um, I'll probably be back, dude, man. I'll probably be back. Another big event going on this week, Andy. Yeah. 
one maybe even bigger than St. Patrick's Day in some circles. You can see it scrawled out on this chalkboard here. You know, there's numbers, symbols. One symbol, several numbers. <laughs> it's like the hallway in Goodwill Hunting, and I'm a janitor. It's Pi Day, of it's course. Pi Day! <laughs> I mean, it's not Pi Day. That's passed by a few days, but. We took advantage of a special event happening on Pi Day to review two different places Ooh. this week, one of which it's pretty much the only day of the year that we would actually be able to review it. As a restaurant, I mean, yeah. we're, we're kind of cheating, but it's an establishment we both love. Uh, spoiler. Hope we don't get a knock on the door from the <laughs> cheaters crew. <laughs> so Pie Day was an event put on at Vito's Kitchen by Vito and Eleanor from Prairie Pie, where they have a buffet of pizza and pie. So we decided to take the opportunity to review both places. Ooh, pizza and pie. Oh, my. <laughs> So first, let's start with Vito's Kitchen. Let's do it. Vito Palmietto grew up in the Hudson Valley region of upstate New York, an area just north of New York City. When he was a kid in the 1960s, Vito's parents would drive by the world-famous Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, and Vito would look out the window and dream about going there and learning how to cook. Eventually, he did. Vito graduated from the prestigious institute in 1981, and shortly thereafter, he began working as a food production manager for Marriott Hotels, the start of a long career in the world of hotel restaurants. After Marriott, Vito worked for Wyndham Hotels for a while, and then Davidson Hotels. In 1995, Vito joined none other than John Q. Hammond's Hotels, becoming the food and beverage director at the University Plaza. Vito worked for Hammond's for the next 15 years, eventually ascending to the position of Corporate Director of Food and Beverage Operations of John Q. Hammond's Hotels and Resorts. Director of Food and Beverages for the whole company. We need to take a second and make sure it's clear what a massive, demanding job that must have been. Vito Palmietto, gregarious downtown tosser of primo pizzas, oversaw both banquet hall catering and restaurants for 78 hotels with over 160 discrete kitchen operations between them. Vito also guided the opening of 27 new Hammonds properties. Just thinking about shouldering that enormous burden of responsibility gives me anxiety. I mean, we're talking about managing multi-millions of dollars of food inventory. Just crazy. Vito left the Hammonds organization in 2010 and started a company called F&B Concepts LLC. The F&B stands for food and beverage. The formal mission statement of the company is as follows. A full-service food and beverage consulting group specializing in developing operational and purchasing systems for the lodging and restaurant industry. There's really no information out there about what Vito has done with that company, but it still exists, so that's cool. About a year after leaving Hammonds, Vito became the senior executive chef at Chartwells, the company that manages the dorm dining halls and catering at Missouri State University. That job involved designing menus and facilitating the preparation of the meals therein for all the food operations on the campus. Another huge job. Maybe not Mega Millions Hotel huge, but still pretty massive. And hey, speaking of Mega Millions, while doing research for this, I noticed that in March of 2014, Vito Palmietto won $1,000 off a Missouri Lotto Scratchers ticket. So, uh, congrats on that, man. While working for Chartwells, Vito finally set out to open a restaurant of his own for the first time. 
to run a kitchen that would belong to him and him alone. You might say, Vito's Kitchen. The place opened in June of 2015, taking the space at 307 South Jefferson that for the last few years previously had been the downtown McSalty's and for the previous 56 years before that had been the downtown Dairy Queen. A side note, why don't we have an ice cream shop downtown? I know there's a gelato, but that's not the same thing. It's just on hot days and nights walking around down there. Sometimes all I want is a cone. Anyway. Okay, so this is really cool. Vito didn't just decide to start making pizza willy-nilly using what he already knew about cooking. No, he traveled to Italy to learn. Yeah, you thought you loved pizza? This dude loves pizza. He trained at a place the name of which translates to Italian School of Pizza Makers. It's located in a small town called Cavourle along the coast of the Adriatic Sea about 40 miles east-northeast of Venice. I don't know exactly what training Vito underwent, but spoiler, his pizza is awesome and the school looks so rad. They do all kinds of classes at varying levels of intensity, and plus you're on the coast of Italy, oh man it seems so cool. Dan, doing spring food mo has been great, but I've decided I'm quitting the podcast and my lucrative job as an elementary public school teacher and moving to Italy to study pizza making. Uh, actually, no, I just checked my bank account and there's no way that's ever happening. I guess I'll just keep poking around Cowerley on Google Earth and slobbering looking at photos or better yet, I'll just go to Vito's kitchen three days a week. Yeah, Vito's does keep limited hours, just lunch and dinner on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, plus special events like the one we went to this week. Vito's is a true family business, by the way. Some of Vito's and his wife's five children work in the restaurant. You'll probably see Vito Jr. behind the bar if you visit. Fostering a community around food is very important to Vito. Vito Sr., again, I mean. He teaches cooking classes, does catering, and on certain evenings serves small multi-course educational dinners, during which 20 people who may or may not know each other sit around a single long wooden table, a table that Vito had custom made using lumber from trees salvaged during the legendary ice storm of 2007. On a normal, non-event night, Vito serves two styles of pizza. A 16-inch New York pizza cooked on a stone at 650 degrees and a traditional Sicilian pizza, which is thicker but still light. Vito does like to get pretty crazy and experimental with the toppings, but what makes the pizza really special, though, is the dough which Vito and his crew make and age for at least 48 hours, and sometimes as long as 96 hours. In an article for 417 Magazine, writer Vivian Wheeler explained that Vito's cold rise process involves letting the dough rise for 24 hours, punching it down, then letting it rise for another 24 hours. Vivian described the results as airy, crispy, and chewy, and I am inclined to agree, but we'll get to that soon. In fact, Dan and I, Springfield's uncles, will get into our meals at Vito's Kitchen right about now. <laughs> We're Springfield's uncles. We forgot to talk about that up top. <laughs> That's who we are now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine with that association. I, I think we do a good enough job of like, taking Springfield out for like putt-putt or a movie or something, but not really <laughs> contributing all that much to its well-being. 
Lots um, of love, minimal responsibility. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, anything interesting there? Anything you were surprised by in the Vito story? I mean, I had no clue that he was such a big a part of the Hammonds operation. Or I mean, did that's, I? That's serious the food stuff. Oh, like, yeah. that is... Uh, that's a lot going on. Um, I was getting heart palpitations reading about how much work that guy must have had to do. Crazy. It gives me a sort of relief that he can kind of relax now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sh- it doesn't seem like he's resting on his laurels no, by any all. means. But uh, Vito's Kitchen is not open but three days a week. Uh-huh. And it seems like he kind of gets to put all of his expertise and love into this one venture. And uh-huh. that's pretty rad. I totally agree. It's The whole thing seems like a labor of love. I don't know if he's retired or if this is a post-retirement business or what. But it seems like he's kind of scaled down what he's doing. And is just really focusing on doing a real community restaurant, which is cool. Which kind of brings us to the event that we went to. Sure. So you walk in. Mm-hmm. Any first impressions? pretty tight in there mm-hmm. i was not a hundred percent sure what Vito's kitchen even was i kind of i remarked to you i thought it was a test kitchen uh-huh not a hundred percent sure what a test kitchen is <laughs> but uh didn't seem like they were open all that often uh-huh. so it's really lovely in there those tables that you kind of mentioned in there they were separated uh-huh um, so they weren't in their long mega form their pangea form um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think of what the, the megazord excuse sure. me they had not formed the megazord of Vito's kitchen <laughs> but they were lovely everything in there is just like got a real kind of rustic feel they have a chalkboard that displays the full menu i don't know if they actually have any kind of printed menu normally but it seems like it gets changed up enough that he probably just throws it up there Mm -hmm. really awesome place it is small but Mm -hmm. it's open and airy it has high ceilings kind of classic brownish redstone tiling on the floor it's very bright almost entirely from overhead lighting there are many soft light sources rather than one or two Mm -hmm. intense you know heavier light sources which gives the places which gives the space a nice warmth there are bricks painted black that go about a third of the way up the wall then a kind of light olive green color the rest of the way up there's some white shelving on the wall, too, upon which are displayed cool framed photos and artwork. On the south side of the room, there's a long archway, like a very long archway, under which was the buffet line uh, the night we went. There is that huge chalkboard with the menu written in multicolored chalk. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that night's menu, unfortunately. No, no, <laughs> we don't exactly know the names of the pizzas that we're eating, so we're going to be guessing at we that. We sure did examine that menu, though. <laughs> Overall, I really love the interior of Vito's Kitchen. It was just a nice place in which to be. It was very busy. Mm-hmm. We had to wait for a table. And uh, <laughs> Eleanor from Prairie Pie was the person who seated us. Oh, really? I had no clue. And <laughs> she said, hey, I know you guys. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I, I did not know I was speaking with the lady herself. Uh-huh. We've spoken so much of her pies. What did, what did she say? She said, you're from that food podcast. <laughs> and I very awkwardly responded, yeah, we're on the internet. <laughs> very good with words. I mean, you make people call you Mr. Worldwide now. <laughs> you're, you're very into this being on the internet thing. <laughs> so before we get to the pizza, we did try a couple other things. There was a house salad and a pasta. I'm pretty sure with that salad, the greens were arugula. Mm-hmm. They'd been tossed with tomato, black olives, red onions, cucumber, banana peppers. It was a nice mix of ingredients. And I kind of like the way they had it laid out in the bowl where you didn't necessarily have to get everything. Sure. Let's say you didn't want banana peppers, for instance. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to include those because they're kind of over in their own area of, of a single bowl. 
There were two dressing options, some kind of vinaigrette and a house-made ranch. I poured a little of each dressing over my salad, a 50-50 split. I could barely taste the vinaigrette. It was just liquidy, didn't have much flavor to me. But the ranch was delicious. A little thinner than the store-bought ranch, but still rich and flavorful. I went just vinaigrette, and I I liked the flavor just fine, but up against the rest of what was to come, nothing really jumping out there. Yeah, You and I were hanging out and talking, and I wasn't really actively taking notes, so maybe if I'd have had my notebook out, I'd have savored that vinaigrette flavor a little more and written some more down, but I was kind of like, yeah. It was fine. It's cool. That's how you savor something. I like ranch. <laughs> writing notes about well, it. Well, you know, I would have held it in my mouth and wrote down what my tongue was feeling. You like but to swish around were, the salad. What dumb thing are we talking about? Some idiotic, I'm sure. Andy turns his chin to the ceiling and does a nice gargle of the salad and the vinaigrette dressing to really awaken the flavors. <laughs> You could have only known that I'd done that from when I was alone. <laughs> the thing that I think tipped me off was whenever they brought our silverware, you asked if they had a fork that was more like uh, had bristles on it. Um, <laughs> basically asking for a toothbrush <laughs> to brush your salad in with. It's nice. Had a fresh taste of salad. I didn't get any black olives in there. I think I may have caught one and it remained on my plate, mm-hmm. which was great. Just another awesome part of the way they kind of separated it because i hate black olives and i did not want them on there not a big olive fan either the pasta ooh, it was a baked penne pasta with red sauce and cheese pasta is not my favorite pasta for our canadian (laughs) listeners yeah we have a lot (laughs) i mean we may have at least one gps uh (laughs) pinpointed downloads Actually, no, we don't do that. It's that's the fifty dollar yeah, a month we would have tier to upgrade for that <laughs> provider. But you know, D- donate some to us. Support.springfoodpod.com no. to hear our regional specifics. Yeah, <laughs> that's about the last thing we would ever spend money on. I do not care. I have a pretty good guess about where our audience is located. <laughs> it would be wild to find out that like. 30% of them are in Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> There's like six people in Oregon, three in Southern California, and everyone else is in Springfield, a lot Missouri. Of Springfields, you know? <laughs> Could be. So the pasta. Like I said, pasta is fine. It has to be like extraordinarily great pasta yeah. for it to be something that I actively seek out, like your Gilardis or your Brunos, something like that. Your Bambinos, in you, my okay. opinion. I like Bambinos. This was good or fine. It's It's fine. It's not something that I would actively seek out, but again, I'm not that good of a judge of pasta i didn't go back for more but that doesn't really mean anything in the situation because there was so much different stuff to try yeah i almost didn't get it or the salad the first time even because you know the name of the game mm-hmm. here is really going to be the pie and the pie it was just fine it was probably my least favorite component i don't really know what was going on there it seemed like a kind of a balance between a red and a white sauce mm-hmm. cheesy tubular pasta baked layer of cheese over the top almost like a lasagna kind of thing it wasn't lasagna Mm -hmm. because it was penne noodles but i enjoyed the cheese a lot the parts of the cheese were great but the cheese was just like one layer over the top cheese rules (laughs) speaking of which the names and types of pizzas were not posted anywhere like we said so we're just kind of guessing what we ate really as Mm -hmm. far as the official names and sometimes there were seasonings on there that were of indeterminate origin before we get to the different toppings, I think we should go over the commonalities between the pizzas, or at least commonalities between the two red sauce pizzas uh-huh. that we tried. I think with Vito's Pizza, what really sets it apart from other places in town, um, this is not positive or negative, by the way, what sets it apart from other places in town is the crust and the cheese. 
He uses 100% whole milk mozzarella, but he doesn't load the pizza down with it, so the strong fatty flavor doesn't overpower the toppings. There isn't a whole lot of sauce on Avito's pizza, just enough to get that tomato flavor, but you're not going to have it dripping on your hands or anything. Sure. Do you have any thoughts about the cheese or the sauce just in general? And that cheese was really the life of the party for all the pies. It, Premium, it was man. so, so good. And I think like... Like you said, crust and sauce, that's really where you're going to make and break a pizza like the the sorry, crust and cheese. That is uh, the cheese is, I think, usually going to be maybe the most expensive component. Mm-hmm. Like if you get a Little Caesars pizza, they're clearly using something that like is probably closer to a mannequin than like cow's milk, just straight up silicon. <laughs> just like <laughs> it's really where places are going to suffer. But man, that cheese is great. Great cheese. I think the crust is pretty great, too. What he was serving on pie night was New York style, where the center of the pizza was almost like ultra thin. Uh-huh. Like You had to use both hands to support the slice. But Not the act- crispy, at, at like a thin crust pizza right. would be. More, more limp. Yes, definitely more uh-huh. of a limp, thin crust. But the actual crust on the end of the pizza was thick and crunchy, yes. browned almost to burnt. Just the perfect level of cooked, in mm-hmm. my opinion. It's almost less like a pizza crust as we think of it, and more like what you might expect from say, a fresh-baked European bread roll, like a little tough on the outside, mm. but light, airy, and soft on the inside. Good crust. That crust was awesome. It almost had like a like a sunburst to it, going from like a very like kind of golden brown at the bottom where it meets the undercrust into like a gray, then a dark brown into almost a black where the bubbles kind of pop uh-huh. at the top. Just so, so delicious and like perfectly cooked. Yeah. This is probably a good time to say that our review of Vito's is not necessarily the establishment out as a whole, but just as this one buffet yeah. experience. I meant to go back the next day and try the lunch, but I just wasn't able to. I have had lunch there before, and for lunch, he does a Sicilian-style pizza, which is very different. There's like an inch of bread for Ooh. your crust for that. And it's very tasty, but it's different. It's almost like eating an open-faced sandwich. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. They had three different types of pizza set out for people to try. We're going to start with the standard cheese pizza. This is like the control group. Dan, do you ever just order cheese pizza? Andy, I almost never do, except last night I got a frozen cheese pizza. I normally wouldn't even do that, but something about it, I think it was the Vito's Kitchen calling me back. Why did you eat a frozen pizza? Andy, it was Frischetta brand. (laughs) I believe I'm saying that right. Um, sorry to the Freschetta family if I'm not. Um, really loved your work in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, by the way. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> it was delicious. It was one of the best frozen pizzas I've okay, ever had. We're not reviewing Freschetta frozen pizza. I was trying to shame you for it, and I'm, I'm backing off that. Fine. Frozen the point pizza. is, I don't normally get a cheese pizza, but Vito's may have awoken a new chapter in my pizza eating life Mm. as far as that goes because man andy this was his eyes are fluttering folks you don't have to overdo (laughs) it now he just started blinking i was just blinking (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was very good now it wasn't just cheese they did have some sort of italian seasoning on top and I would, I'm sure that Vito's probably makes their own seasoning. And it was tasty. Had a little zest to it. So we're on board with the cheese. Very oh, tasty. Very much so. Next, pepperoni and sliced Italian sausage. This was also a red sauce pizza. Sure. 
The sausage had just the slightest zip to it, just a little spicy, and had clearly been sliced in-house. I really mm. like that you could tell it started as a link sausage, yes. yeah. and they cut the slices. Somebody in the back had sliced it up, hadn't come out of the package that way or something. Pepperoni, I would say about medium-sized pepperoni. It's not like the massive mm-hmm. ones you might get at, say, a different New York-style pizza place. Yeah. This was good. I like pepperoni and I like Italian sausage. Like once you talk about the cheese and crust and sauce with the pizza, mm. there's not a lot, a lot else to say. Like we liked it. Yeah. And they were high quality meats. So those on top of the pizza, maybe even better. It was essentially just the cheese pizza with some very high quality meats on top. It was delicious. One thing I very much appreciated about the pepperoni and sausage pizza was the topping distribution. Oh, yes. Which is important when you're dealing with skinny slices in a buffet situation, as yeah. we were. These were very skinny. Yeah. I would say these pizzas would probably normally be sliced into eight or ten pieces. These were probably more like 16. They were very skinny slices. I mean, they only had three pizzas out mm-hmm. for, what, probably 40 people? At least. Maybe more? Uh, I mean, and a line hanging out the door uh-huh. the entire time we were there. Each slice had a substantial amount of both pepperoni and sausage. Mm-hmm. You got bites of both yes. in each slice, which is really something. They, they did it right. Yeah. This last pizza is the one I'm most excited to talk about because it's the most unique. Mm-hmm. What makes Vito's more interesting than most pizza places in town is the weird flavor combinations he'll try. Ooh. If you look back at their recent menus on their Facebook page, you'll see things like asparagus, blue cheese, and prosciutto, Ugh. elote, Mexican street corn pizza, roasted vegetable with goat cheese, blue cheese, blueberry, and bacon. Andrew. Oh, I would love to try mm. that. Prosciutto, fig, and arugula, that kind of thing. That is a little hot under the collar. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's because his hot tongue has now reached out of his mouth down <laughs> past his collar. Yes, because he's hungry. Because that's what people do. Their yes. tongues get longer, like a like a wolf uh, from a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> whenever he, he sees Little Red Riding Hood uh-huh, going by, uh huh. So. <laughs> Our Red Riding Hood on Thursday night was something my notes call white sauce corn. Corn was a topping most readily apparent. And Dan thinks there might have been some chicken, though I may dispute that. I don't know if I tasted any chicken on there. If it was, it was pretty finely shredded. It doesn't matter. Whatever was on it was great. Yes. This was such a tasty pizza. I wish I had every specification of this pizza because I could talk about it all day. Oh, it was so great. The corn flavor went surprisingly well on the pizza, and it blended naturally with that kind of Alfredo white sauce taste. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Alfredo. It was a white pizza sauce, to be clear. But that's like this, the, the most similar comparison I have. I almost felt like I tasted like a black bean flavor mm-hmm. on there, but mm-hmm. really, I mean, it was all yellow and white. So I'm pretty sure that there were no black beans in there, but it was maybe reminding me of the flavor of a delicious corn and black bean salsa. Far from like the red sauce Italian marinara flavor that we got with the uh-huh. other ones, just such a great like kind of different take. I, it was fantastic. We kept looking, watching when the new pizzas were brought <laughs> out, hoping they'd bring out one more for us to try, yeah. but we wound up just trying three in our, we think we were there for a little bit over an hour. Oh yeah. So Dan, let's just cut right to it. Out of five disqualified Dairy Queens, <laughs> i.e. DQ'd DQs. Okay, all right. <laughs> how many DQ'd DQs would you rate Vito's Kitchen? Andy, I, I'm kind of sad that I have no other visit to go off mm-hmm. of. 
and I'm, I'm going to rate them only on their pie. I'm going to leave the salad to the side. That's fair. I'm going to push that uh, pasta on the floor. These three pies, I would give them each five DQ DQs each. So <laughs> I'm going to go 15 DQ DQs, I think. <laughs> 15 out of 5? <laughs> yes, 15 out of well, 5. Well, 15 divided by 3 is 5. So we're okay. going to do a 5 from you. I'm going 4 DQ DQs for this pizza buffet experience, though I strongly suspect that if I went for a regular formal dinner experience, the oh. normal dinner night, that it could be a 4.5 or a 5. I mean, if I had to give one critique of the whole pie day pizza pie experience, uh-huh. it would be that I would like to explore more of the wonderful shapes and sizes that a pizza pie comes in, such as the Sicilian, such as a thicker crust. They were all the same crust type, but I they were so delicious. I can't give them under five, Andy. Okay. You're a good man. I know. <laughs> Let's move on to Prairie Pie, part two of Pie Night. In 1932, Laura Ingalls Wilder, a longtime resident of Mansfield, Missouri, published Little House in the Big Woods, an autobiographical children's novel about the author's family's life on a farm in 1870s rural Wisconsin. The book began what would come to be known as the Little House on the Prairie series, named for the third entry in the cycle of eight-ish novels about Midwestern and Upper Midwestern farm life. The series has been immensely popular with many generations of young readers in the nearly 90 years since it began. One of those young readers was Springfield's own Eleanor Taylor, who loved the Little House series enough to name her fledgling baked goods business in its honor. Yep, today, finally, we're talking Prairie Pie. Eleanor Taylor started Prairie Pie back in November 2016, when she was 22 years old, which sounds pretty young until you discover she already had about eight years of professional baking experience and becomes basically irrelevant when you bite into a slice of her pie for the first time because it tastes like it was made by your favorite 70-year-old grandmother who has a lifetime of pie-making experience, except it tastes maybe even better than that? Eleanor first started baking as a child, helping her own grandmother in the kitchen. She started getting paid to do it at age 16 when she was hired as a baker's assistant at T-Bar and Bites in the Roundtree neighborhood. She did that for around five years and she also did some work for Bambinos during that period. However, after finishing high school, Eleanor moved to New York City, the Big Apple, where she got a job making, yes, you guessed it, Big Apple Pies. She made other custom desserts as well, but most importantly, Eleanor learned the art and science of creating the perfect pie crust. Flaky, rich, and delicious. As well as, you know, cool to look at with those heavy crimped edges. As happens with many of us who leave Springfield, Eleanor began to miss it here and moved back after about a year and a half in the M. Pie Earth State. Shortly after returning, Eleanor started Prairie Pie. Since the idea was to wholesale product to retailers and not have an actual storefront, Eleanor needed a commercial kitchen to meet health code requirements as well as to have enough space to handle orders. Community pizza magnate Vito Palmietto opened up his space to Eleanor, 
So you could say the pies are made in the same place the sausage is made. The sausage, you know, for the pizza. It's true, there is no prairie pie location, but you can grab a slice at several restaurants in town or pick up a miniature version at a few grocery stores around. Like Vito, Eleanor tends to experiment with different flavors and fillings, but there are a few prairie pie staples like chocolate custard, caramel apple, chocolate pecan, and my personal favorite, the honey custard with sea salt. But hey, I'm always in the market for a new favorite, Let's see if I found one among the absurd number of slices Dan and I tried this week at Pie Night. So Dan, had you had prairie pie prior to this experience, slash how many prairie pies have you had? As longtime listeners will know, our day ones will maybe remember an edition of Wedge You Eat uh-huh. from early on in the show in which I tried a prairie pie slice of, I think they're pecan pie. Uh-huh. I mean, you can go back and listen to that episode. I obviously <laughs> thought it was fantastic. I think that may have been my first slice of prairie pie, however. Um, what about yourself? Well, Dan, I've had dozens <laughs> of the mini pies <laughs> over the last couple of years. Lindsay lives fairly close to a place where you can get the pies, and one of us will pick one up before <laughs> we're going to hang out, and we'll, you know, split one of those mini pies mm. while watching a movie or something. Ooh, they're good so good. <laughs> it's good pie, Andy. Spoiler: they're tasty. Oh man, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm I'm sort of surprised at your. Uh withholding in the bio segment i know that your favorite band is warrant so um (laughs) buddy that was the easiest joke to make so easy that i chose not to do it be my cherry pie is referring to (laughs) i think it's she's my cherry pie who cares that's a little too wholesome (laughs) them asking their sweetie to be their cherry pie (laughs) i just Sing it when I look at an actual cherry pie. (laughs) Be my cherry pie. So now that we've made the hackiest joke possible, (laughs) relating songs to pie. We didn't even touch Don McLean. I don't know what you're talking about. So let's talk about the crust. All these pies, except for one that we're going to talk about, have something in common, and that is the crust, Mm. the prairie pie crust. It barely makes sense to me. It's both crunchy and soft at the same time. It's flaky, but it doesn't flake off. There's not like a plate mess to clean up after you eat it. None at all. I've never had a prairie pie with a crust that was overcooked or undercooked. The consistency is incredible. I mean, this is the highest compliment, but the composition of prairie pies is so consistent from time to time, meaning each time you get one, that it's almost like a mechanized mass market product. When the reality is that it's exactly one person making Ugh. these and just doing an unfathomably excellent job. It's, I, I can't get over it. They're so good. They could be exported to other places. Like they're that special. They're that good. Andy, I'm going to have to agree with you. That crust mm-hmm. where it sort of peaks up out of the tin and it's like crimped. They're heavy crimps. Creates like. A couple layers of just this delicious crust. I mean, the whole pie is obviously awesome, but you get that piece at the top where she's just like, this is just crust for you. Uh You don't don't even need the rest of the pie. 
I would buy the crust straight up. You could just use them like dipping chips for something. I don't know. My mom used to actually bake pie crust like chips uh, that we would have for uh, dessert. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of serve them with some ice cream. There's an idea. Crust chips. Yeah, but make sure you get Reggie Howell credit on that. (laughs) I was going to say, you don't have to give us credit. (laughs) Oh, you do. (laughs) So let's run through the pies that we tried at Pie Night. These were small slices, mercifully small, Mm. because pie is a heavy (laughs) dish. (laughs) So let's start with a caramel apple. Of the four pies available, this was the only double-crusted pie, which means it has crust covering the top as well as on the bottom. The Prairie Pie website says she bakes these with two types of apples, which she lightly sweetens and then covers with the sweet and slightly bitter caramel sauce. I also detected a slight hint of cinnamon in there also, maybe. I I could be wrong. The prairie apple pies are different from just about every other apple pie I've ever had because the apples are sliced so thin. Oh, yeah. You get several layers of ultra-thin apple slices piled on top of each other, and and the texture is much different as a result. I really like these apple pies. Dan, for some reason, you were a little hesitant to even try one. Uh, yeah, the reason being I had already had like eight slices of Vito's <laughs> pizza and all three other prairie pies available. Thankfully for the listeners, Andy pressured me into trying the caramel apple pie. I will say that after I finished it, I felt a little defeated. Uh, that last <laughs> piece of crust just like really had me up against the ropes after everything else, but Man, what a lovely pie. It I was good. The caramel on my piece at least kind of snuck up out of the lattice structure at the top. And kind of I had like a big glob of caramel yeah. sticking to those oh, crust crimps that we were talking about. It was so good. Oh. I, I really could have used a like glass of whole milk to dip that last piece of crust in. Mm-hmm. Andy, cream. real quick, uh, kind of aside from the prairie pie, cheddar cheese on your apple pie. Have you ever... I have not done that. I would. Is that a Wisconsin thing or an Ohio thing? It's some regional practice. I I guess if it had to be anywhere, it'd be Wisconsin. That's the cheese. You know, if there's any time where I think that would work in Springfield, it would have to be pie night with Vito's and very pie because they could get high end cheese. Yeah. I don't know. Also, I think it's supposed to be a very sharp cheddar. Okay. And I don't know that it would work with the caramel pie. I've tried it one time and it was pretty good but okay. i i don't know that i'd probably just eat a couple slices of cheddar beforehand then you finish know, it off with a piece of apple pie cheese and apple is not unheard of and get it in charcuterie sure. or other deli plates so it's something that exists i just wouldn't want to ruin not even ruin i don't want this pie altered in any way yeah. i think i feel like prairie pies are so intentionally oh. constructed that i just don't need anything else except maybe some ice cream to go with just the apple now Dan, I loved the apple pie. Probably my least favorite of the four. Uh, I was about to say, yes. I, even <laughs> at such a high quality, yeah, probably outshined by the other three here. You think we were fawning? Get ready for more intense fawning. <laughs> What's the next level above fawning? Uh, isn't a fawn like a baby mammal of some sort? Yeah, a baby a baby mammal. I, I don't know what animal it is. What What is it? <laughs> No, they're Harry Potter creatures. Oh, (laughs) excuse me. Next pie, Earl Grey. Earl Grey pie. Dan, the Earl Grey is a special pie. Very much so. I've never had anything quite like it. And I've been around. I mean to say 
I've had a lot of pie. <laughs> Let's go over every component of the Earl Grey pie from bottom to top. The first layer on the bottom is, of course, the crust. That lovely, flaky, crispy crust. Crusp, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> My mouth isn't working. And on top of that is a thin layer of somewhat hardened chocolate ganache. Ugh! Maybe like one third of the height of a, of a traditional chocolate bar. Now, we were wondering if it was ganache or if it was a chocolate bar. And I worked up the nerve to ask Eleanor when she came by. She was f- very diligently keeping up with people's needs with glasses and silver and that kind of thing. And rather than asking the question that Dan wanted to know, which was, is this Askinosi chocolate? I asked, is this ganache? <laughs> she said, yeah. Yeah, it's chocolate ganache. All right. That's not, that weren't her words, but she was very kind and told us, yes, indeed, that was chocolate ganache. <sighs> uh, we don't know if it was Askinosi, though. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to speculate that it Probably. is. It, it was such a degree of darkness. I'd say like at least 70% dark cocoa mm-hmm. flavor. Not very sweet. In a good way. There's enough sweetness on this pie. So, crust, then ganache. So, the ganache is about maybe one-third the height of a traditional chocolate bar. Sure. Then on top of that, there's a much taller layer of pastry cream. But it's not just any pastry cream. No. Eleanor makes the pastry cream using milk that has been steeped with Earl Grey tea leaves. So, you get just a hint of that tea flavor. Above that is a layer of fresh whipped cream, and atop the whipped cream is a sprinkling of crushed pistachios. Dan, what did you think of this Earl Grey pie? Andy. The answer is it was Earl Great. What, was that the joke you wrote down <laughs> earlier? No. That, that's Thank the one that goodness. popped into my head now. <laughs> um, Andy. We had to pause earlier so I could write down a joke for later. <laughs> and, and just get ready for it, <laughs> listeners, because I'm sure it's going to knock your socks uh-huh. off. This earl gray pie was indeed earl great i think it was probably my favorite of the pies and really has me kind of sad because i think this might be one of the only pies that you can't find pre-packaged yeah this cream um because of that cream on top and i also don't know that the pistachios would really keep it Mm -hmm. with the moisture of the cream this was just something that like sort of blew my mind whenever i saw the name of it i was pretty hesitant because i'm I'm not like a big black tea drinker but that dark chocolate with the sort of bitterness of the tea just came together in like ways i can't even describe because i'm an idiot (laughs) it was awesome uh all those flavors blend surprisingly well i say this all the time but if you can have a bunch of flavors in one place it's important that they're distinct and they're not mushed all together that's the case with this 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 pie is awesome it's tied for second for me yeah i no i'd I'd have to put it at first actually i i really loved this pie and it like opened my eyes to ways that pies could even be i didn't know this is this is a case for me where i have one first place two second places and one third and they all get gold medals (laughs) platinum medals (laughs) yeah the earl gray is so unique it's so cool next let's talk about the key lime the key lime pie this pie was different from every other prairie pie i've ever had because it didn't have that standard fantastic prairie pie crust but instead it has something like a cheesecake crust graham cracker base or something similar the website clarifies it is in fact graham cracker oh we were debating whether it was graham cracker or not as we were eating it but it is in fact graham cracker crust. has a little coarser crumble than mm-hmm. what you would get from like a store-bought one with yeah. the real uniform 
pressed graham cracker crumble because on it. Because of of course it's better yes. than every other graham cracker crust. <laughs> yes. Would you expect anything less? The key lime pie is served chilled, and if my memory serves, there's only two layers to this one. The lime-flavored custard topping with whipped cream. She makes that custard with lime juice and lime zest, which is basically the outer layer of the lime peel that's been either extremely finely grated or just outright turned into powder. This pie is tart. Yes. <laughs> if you like tartness, this is the pie for you. Was this the pie for you, Dan? Andy, I would say this was definitely the pie for me. I'm a huge key lime pie fan. Uh-huh. But this is not your grandmama's key lime pie. <laughs> or maybe it is closer to your grandmama's key lime pie than a store-bought one. I'm I'm more used to like a kind of just shocking sweetness mm-hmm. to my key lime pie that really just like a richness. And this one, while still like a real lovely sweet flavor and the crust, which I maybe liked more than the typical prairie pie crust that tartness it it was just something i did not expect at all just kind of a sourness to it but not imbalanced in the least it's Uh so good uh what did you think about this loved it agree with everything except maybe the use of the word sour i wouldn't quite apply that word i get what you're saying i think tartness is probably a better yeah the tartness is intense i like it a lot and keen lime is not one of my favorites it's not a go-to for me I love it i love a dark chocolate dipped key lime pie now Mm. that sounds good Mm. Last is my personal favorite. It's the one that I prefer to get whenever Lindsay and I are having our, you know, prairie pie special dessert night or whatever. It's the honey custard with sea salt. Dan, do you remember a few months ago when we did the hot cluckers episode and we were trying to figure out exactly what a chess pie was? Yes, sir. Well, the honey sea salt is a chess pie. Oh. It's just a general phrase for a custard pie with filling made from eggs, butter, and sugar. Dan, you... You, you look shocked. <laughs> Folks, he's surprised to learn that there was butter in this honey custard pie. <laughs> We're joking, of course. The primary flavor of this pie is butter. Yes. <laughs> There's also a hint of honey, and obviously it's topped with what appear to be shavings of salt. I want to talk for just a second about the way it looks. The top is usually yellowish golden brown from the baking, but the closer you get to the bottom of the crust, the more it becomes this this translucent buttery gooey yellow yes and it tastes just like it looks the top of the pie gives just the slightest resistance to the bite but the further down you go the easier it is the softer it is and that blend of textures once it's all in your mouth is just amazing also it's very sweet but those salt shavings on the top offset all the sweetness what you get is just this explosion of flavor i rolled my eyes (laughs) at dan that wasn't me. That was <laughs> <laughs> I think you told me this was your least favorite. I've kind of waffled back and forth between this and the caramel apple. I think I may have liked this a little more than the caramel apple upon re-review. Uh-huh. Least favorite is just, I I wish there was another term for it, really. Yeah. It, it was still so delicious. For me, it just maybe a little too sweet too sweet. it's it's really Fair. really hits you in the jaw <laughs> i have the sweetest of sweet teeth yes so. it's it's black actually it's, <laughs> it's disgusting you should get that checked out <laughs> so let's rate this one dan i think for this since prairie pie does not have a storefront we should rate it by what i'm going to do <laughs> is cut out the word so you can just hear the s <laughs> okay so dan out of five how many books 
would you rate prairie pie andy if i'm if i'm going off the uh basis for my Vito's kitchen rating i'd say these four pies garnered about i'd say 19 19 <laughs> so i i guess 4.75 is that what we're looking at round it up what would that be rounded up let's see let me get my abacus out here and carry the one and oh let me consult this chalkboard over here i'm thinking about five five out of five no hesitation from me this is one of the best desserts you can get in springfield eleanor if you're listening you have an open invitation to come on our show and talk about whatever restaurant you want whatever come eleanor if you just want to come on for like (laughs) 60 minutes and just tell us what's in your pies like kind of break them down from start to finish and i'm gonna go and say don't bring pie this isn't about us getting free pie if you want to come on and talk about it we'd love to have you okay you seemed really nice the other night yeah we're gonna continue (laughs) to buy the pies oh yeah (laughs) don't don't worry about that (laughs) i would say this whole experience i loved pie night five out of five in general for pie night cool event love that they do it love the both places exist love the ethos of them working together it's awesome. Dan, you know, we've gotten some emails in the past. I've made comments about me living forever, being immortal, yes. just in passing. And, you know, it's the I, I say them in passing casually because it's not new to me. If you sure. live forever, it's not like shocking. Yeah. And, you know, people want to know how I have achieved that. And I just decided that uh, to let people in on the secret. Please. Um, it's eating pizza and pie <laughs> okay. for every meal. <laughs> okay. I wrote a little song about it. Please. It goes something like <laughs> Let's this. Let's hear it. People talk about living forever. I got news for them. Put your trust in a crispy crust. And then it's eternity open. Pie for breakfast and pizza for lunch. Pizza for
welcome America. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it, heard it here first. That's the key to immortality. <laughs> we will talk about that song a little bit more after the show. Andy, I'm sure you'll talk about that song until <laughs> you're <laughs> gray in the tooth. Yeah, it? gray in the tooth. <laughs> But now it's time for a segment we like to call Danny Snacks. Ooh. Danny Snacks are in my ears and in my mouth. Wow. It's another week and another edition of Danny Snacks. Andy, Uh you look ridiculous right now. You do have a full blindfold on, and by that I mean you have a beanie pulled over your eyes. Yeah, I feel ridiculous. Couple questions for you, Andy. Yeah. Did you write the book on love? Do um, you have faith in God above? Um, do For I the have Bible to answer so. that? <laughs> did, you, did you give me a fork? I'm like I reaching did. around. Yeah, you are just completely missing it. I'm. Uh, we're recording oh, it, it all on camera here. Okay. Andy, you've got two slices of pie there before you. Very tiny slices this of pie. This is so hard. How am I supposed to do this without I, seeing it? I know. It? It's virtually impossible. Now, they're still attached to the crust, so you can probably grab them with your hands oh. if you wanted. Okay. Um, one less so attached to the crust than the other. The, uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and try that one? Is that, that, you've is that got a piece? The, you've got the inner part there. Now, okay. the crust, I'll tell you, is just the standard prairie pie crust, so not a big deal if you don't get that. We should tell listeners that we do realize this particular iteration of Danny Snacks is very similar to a segment on a very popular food podcast. We get that. Yes. But yep. whatever. Uh, it's fitting. It's apropos for what we're doing today. Here we go. I'm going to take a bite. Go and test that pie out. Andy, what do you think of this particular pie? It's going to be a chocolate custard, Dan. Andy, you got that one right on the nose. That was probably the easier of the two. That oh, one, so good. I kind of figured you'd be able to get. Is this, this the is other a piece? Pie Day edition chocolate custard pie with the pie symbol right in the top. Yes, you do have the other piece. Now that one is still attached to the crust. Okay. I think you might have a little more trouble with this one. Why don't you go ahead and give it a shot? <laughs> I put it. In you, my mouth yeah, crust you did it crust first. Okay. first. <laughs> Cold. She does keep them frozen at Mama Jean's so that they last a little longer. Mm. Uh, one was just straight from the table, though. Fresh. It's a little tartness to that one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to also try this one because this is one I've never had. Andy, I don't know if you're going to be able to get this one. I have what may be a somewhat informed guess. All right. Is this the hibiscus? Ooh, wrong, Andy. I don't know what it is. It's definitely had a slight tartness, but it's not quite like the key lime. What is it, Dan? Andy, let me go grab the list of ingredients here. You can go ahead and take off your blindfold. Well, thank you for your permission. All right, Andy, I'm going to read the ingredients of this pie in reverse order. Okay. Apple cider vinegar, salt, eggs, flour, butter, sugar. Now, that's probably just the crust right Is there. that my honey? Is that the honey one? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> You're tricking me. I knew it wasn't. You've got some Campari, cream, and then the final and top ingredient here. One more chance to guess before I give it to you. Lemon? Grapefruit juice. Oh! Andy, you just had the prairie pie grapefruit custard. Nice. Definitely the strangest one I saw up there. The other option that I had was a pecan pie, and I figured you'd probably be able to knock that one out of the park, much like you did the chocolate custard pie, which is chocolate cream, milk, eggs, flour, butter, sugar, salt, 
and regular vinegar on that one. Strange. Ah. That grapefruit one was packaged all the way back on February 3rd, and that freezer really keeps it intact. That's wild. That's uh, something nope. like 43 days out. So you got that one on sale. Yeah. I did. <laughs> I did get it on sale. What'd cool. you think of those two pies among Loved the them. pantheon of prey pies? Uh, they'd be right there in the middle with the other ones, I think. Yeah, They're probably wouldn't go great. for the grapefruit one again. I don't really like grapefruit, though. I enjoyed so the coldness. Me. It, it, it yes. tasted good cold. Made me want to taste some of the other custard ones cold. Yeah, probably have to throw this chocolate one in the freezer and yeah. uh, see if we can get a little chill on it. <laughs> One last segment today, the food mails, food mail. Mm. At long last, haven't done one of these in a while. Yeah, and it's everybody's favorite segment. Probably not <laughs> since our all food mail episode, which is actually a fairly popular episode. Yeah, yeah, that was about three months ago. I'm, I'm ready to dig into the bag and see what's going on in here. So here's our best theme song. <laughs> Hand in Dan, just a couple of food mail. Walk into the box, gonna check the food mail. No What do you say at the end of the song there? Open up and read. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's a reference to something else that I'll let people figure out if they'd like to. First letter comes from frequent fact contributor Laura Weiss. Last time we had some confusion as far as to what one of the facts meant. She sent in some clarification. Good morning. I got some clarification on that fact. So Springfield used to be two different towns, Northtown and Southtown. And now oh. she jumps into a quote from some sort of historical article. Here in the Southtown, we know that kids don't play. Oh, boy. <laughs> don't get me started on POD. <laughs> you know how long I could talk. I could, I could do a series of podcasts on that band. That song rules. It does. The riff is so heavy, it chugs. We got <laughs> to do this. <laughs> the original town with its business district on the public square was known as Springfield, Old Town, or south town the town that came to be because of the railroad with its business district on commercial street was known as north springfield north town or moon city wow moon city was used derisively by people of springfield about the upstart and proudly by people of north springfield the name stems from a comment widely circulated in the press that the atlantic and pacific railroad had quite as much ability to build a railroad to the moon as to Springfield. Wow. Hmm. Must have been a couple months ago. We used Moon City as a fun fact. We did, yeah. And I just assumed it was made up. <laughs> no, there's Moon City Pub up there, which is actually really? in what would technically be Southtown, but still. Hmm. Moon City Pub on commercial. I haven't been, but I know some people who are frequenters. That's very interesting. I wish we still called it Southtown. I wish we still called it Old Town. Of course, the uh, location of the Citadel in Westeros. Oh, boy. She did send it some more information. But if you guys want, you can probably find North Springfield, Missouri. If you look that up somewhere, you can find it on your own. Because we are running a little low on time. Well, thank you, Laura. That did help. Thank you so much. Our next letter comes from a friend of mine named Colin, who is a listener. One neat thing about this podcast is it's kind of helped me reconnect with some people that I hadn't talked to in a long time. Colin is someone like that. We've been friends in Portland several years ago, and he recently moved back here and uh, got in touch with me, and we, uh, we've hung out some since, uh, since he got back. Is this so Colin nice. Jost? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> Colin is a fantastic brewer of beer. Oh. Uh, it's, he has won some homebrew competitions over the years and i've tried a few different things that he's made and it's awesome he had some some beer information uh related to the guinness 
oh. uh, rambling that I did last week. Laid it on us. Colin says, the news of Arthur Guinness and the company's anti-Irish stances are news to me. That said, all Guinness stouts are still brewed in Dublin. Hmm. Corporate HQ may be in England, but it's still all brewed in Ireland for what that's worth. You know, I maybe that speaks to the fact that the Guinness tastes better in Ireland. Maybe yeah. that is actually a true fact. I don't remember if I said that they weren't brewed there. I probably did. I, I, I feel probably like you did. did. Yeah. Uh, that was a mistake, and I apologize. As for the beer itself, it's okay. It's not exciting, but it's an archetypal example of a dry Irish stout, which just isn't an exciting style by today's standard, which I think is a very important thing to know. Sure. Because we've gotten a lot more adventurous with our beers. I almost never drink it, but it's not a bad beer for what it's trying to be. I'd still also love to try older, more complex versions, though. Also, nitro beers don't necessarily have less bubbles, just smaller ones. Ah. That is something that I did know, I want to say, but I wanted to simplify it. And in my reply to Colin, I told him the truth, which is that I wrote about 66% more <laughs> than I actually said. That was a dramatically cut down version. I was just like, this is too much. And it was probably still too much on the actual episode, even the, the cut version. Much smaller gas bubbles than you're used to give it that creamy, velvety texture, which I think works great with richer, maltier beers. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But if you haven't tried something like Old Rasputin on Nitro, give it a try one day or not. I love I've Old Rasputin. I've definitely had Old Rasputin. Yeah, that's a delicious not beer. On, I haven't had it on Nitro, though. I couldn't tell you whether I had. <laughs> anyway, I haven't found anyone to play poker yet, which is a reference <laughs> to something that doesn't have anything to do with the podcast. We're trying to get a poker game together. But uh, yeah, so thanks for writing in, Colin. We had yeah. one more question from John. It said, what do you boys think about buffets? Ooh, loaded question for me andy yeah i would consider myself a bit of a buffet boy i really really enjoy a buffet if done right define done right you love like incredible pizza <laughs> you know what i don't i don't hate incredible pizza i as far as pizza buffets go, Incredible Pizza, CC's, it's more about quantity over quality, I think, <laughs> in that type of situation. But as far as a Chinese buffet goes, uh, Chinese in quotation marks, I guess, man, that that's one of my favorites. I, what I'm looking for is obviously a big variety, but maybe it just says more about me and the disgusting monster that I am, but I'll <laughs> eat anything from that buffet. I like buffets in theory, but not execution. Sure. I have what you might describe as impulse control problems. Yes. <laughs> I also just never feel full. I always want uh -huh. to be eating. Yeah. You know, eating is one of my primary pleasures, pleasures in life, if that's not evident from the fact that we talk about it for over an hour each week. Mm. I make myself sick oh, at yeah. buffets. And this is my problem. Like, it's not a problem with actual buffets. Um, I feel like I have to get my money's worth mm -hmm. also. And that sure. comes from having frugal parents who raise me to value money. You know, like not to think money is like the answer to everything, but to understand what it means, you know. Sure. And to save it. So if I spend money on a buffet, I feel like I need to get my money's worth. And it's just a bad situation. I would never go someplace like CC's. I can't stand going to sure. Incredible Pizza, not to spoil our future review of that, which we have to do. That place is crazy. 
But anyway, let's not. Let's not. I mean, if if I can defend CC's for at least a second, oh. the macaroni and cheese pizza, Andy. They put mac and cheese on top of a pizza. Look, I can make a better pizza at home. I I don't doubt that you can make a better pizza at home, but can I have twenty five slices of it? No, it's true. I can't. Well, I've had Chinese buffets before, and that's fine. One buffet that I will stand by is the one at Zeka. If you can go oh, there yes. for the Indian buffet. Yeah. That one, for some reason, I don't have as much trouble trouble oh. moderating. You know, it they have sort of a limited buffet. It's uh-huh. just the one single line, which, it, I mean, if you're going for Zyka quality food, it's really hard to screw yeah. that up. Like, they don't put a whole lot out there, and it is so excellent. I think my feelings about it are kind of the opposite of yours, where I prefer a limited menu, so much yeah. what we had at Pie Night, because... That way I can try everything and I can be satisfied at the end. When we went to the buffet on pie night, I went back for two more slices yeah. of pie after I tried all four. Yeah, you did. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I went back and got an, another slice of pizza yes. too. Like we just kind of <laughs> talked and I was like, in my mind, I'm like we need to leave so that I'm not going to get sick. It's like, I just, I feel like I can't help it. Should it I, was a very I, expensive buffet too. So there was yeah. more to be gained by getting more worth there. every penny. Yes. Have to say like it was great. Uh, you know andy i have to say i i enjoy the methodical nature of a large buffet my typical kind of order of operations there would be to try as much as humanly possible on the first plate just get everything huge disgusting plate first and then maybe for those second and third rounds you round it down to what you loved from the first plate that's That's the way i go and man it it's i think it's the way to go very cool well i think that's going to wrap our show up for the week thank you everyone for listening thank you for your questions those of you who asked questions thank you so much to Vito and eleanor for making delicious pizza and pie that are helping us live forever stay tuned after the episode for a little more talk about that song because i wanted to read the lyrics for one thing (laughs) because you kind of can't understand them dan where can people find us on the internet but you could visit us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, springfoodpod.xyz. There's no interaction on there or anything. No, no, nothing you could do on there except listen to the episodes. But go ahead and give them another yeah. listen. Listen, uh, if you've already listened on Spotify, maybe it's different on the website. You don't know until you try. Yeah. Uh, so please re-listen to all our episodes. <laughs> Dan and I have both been active on Letterboxd recently. Oh, yeah. The movie social media site. We're just kind of tracking and writing about what movies we watched climb on there great website love it anyway thanks again we don't know what we're going to cover next week we do know what we're going to cover the week after that but we got to figure <laughs> out next week's have a great week <laughs> question mark at the end or don't <laughs> <laughs> people talk about living forever i got news for them put your trust in a crispy crust And then it's eternity or bust. Pie for breakfast and pizza for lunch. Pizza for dinner with pie for dessert. Yeah, I made dessert and lunch rhyme. Yeah, no, no, it it blew my mind. (laughs) And if you should need a snack by and by, better make it pizza or pie. People say heaven's up in the sky. I say it's down here eating pizza and pie. I made the two roundest foods my friends. (laughs) And now my life is never going to (laughs) end. The chorus again. And the bridges. Mm -hmm. Tomatoes and cheese, fruit custard or cream, a thin crunch or a deep dish dream. Like Virgil, I will be your guide. 
if you want to dodge the Reaper's scythe. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't write down the other part, but I'm pretty sure in the background it's pizza pie, my oh my, <laughs> eat it all up, uh, never going to die. <laughs> and now that is 16 actual lines. And what happened was Lindsay and I were just hanging out one morning. I, I don't remember what we were doing, but like they popped into my head. And I'd kind of been chewing on this for a few days. I knew I wanted to do a song about pizza and pie making you live forever <laughs> in the style of ACDC. Sure. That's that's what I had. So it kind of been bouncing around my brain. And then it was like a flood because I hadn't really cracked it. And it was like a flood. I wrote it into my phone in five minutes. The whole thing. No alterations. <laughs> Left the and room. Then, no, uh, yes. <laughs> Slam the door in no, Lindsay's no, I face. Said, hey, can you hang on a second? I got to go work this out. Because I could hear it in my head. And like it just went from my head in, like into the world very quickly. Wow. And I'm very proud of it. Like It's a very silly thing. I realized that. That's fantastic. I, I'm proud of it. It came out really well. And it came out much better than I expected it to. My throat hurt. I did it Thursday <laughs> before we went out to Pie Night. I was like, oh, man, my throat hurts uh, because I'd been doing that silly voice. You know, you have I, I took, had to take every line several times. It's just kind of hard to get on pitch whenever you sing that way. I don't know how man. people who do it for a living do that. I was definitely feeling a little raspy after uh, the uh, Dublin's <laughs> Pass episode oh, last yeah. week. <laughs> so Thursday, I wrote the song. Then we went and had pizza and pie that night. Lindsay and I made plans to hang out with another couple on Friday evening after the Thursday that was pie night. Sure. And it wound up being uh, Michelle and I both made pizza and we had a pizza competition <laughs> because it wasn't really a competition. It was framed that way. And then we did not even talk about it whenever sure. we actually <laughs> ate it. Uh, I make a really great Chicago pizza, which I should make for you sometime. Mm, it's pretty good. I really wish you would. Yeah, I, I should. And then uh, another person, uh, came and she her contribution was a pie (laughs) (laughs) so that's two days in a row i had pizza and pie and then the next day i was on my own for the most of the day and the the woman who brought the pie left it (laughs) so i ate pie for breakfast yep you know what i had for dinner that night dan was it pizza leftover pizza oh yeah (laughs) i practice what i preach (laughs) you're glowing (laughs) Anyway, that's that's that song. I, I'm very excited about it. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think we kind of need to reevaluate the the greats now. I, I'm thinking like <laughs> Emily Dickinson, <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson, <laughs> Andy Carr. <laughs> yeah, channeling Bon Scott. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it does get a little. I try to do a little Axel thing at the end with that. <laughs> yeah but you know axel's just trying to do bond at oh, some point i think so, so. i think you're yeah. right yeah anyway that's the song thanks for listening <laughs> people talk about living forever i got news for them put your trust in a crispy crust and then it's eternity Pizza on pie People say heaven's up in the 
Hey, thanks for listening to Spring Food Mo. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to support our podcast, guess what? You can. Visit support.springfoodpod.com. That's support.springfoodpod.com. Thanks for the money. <laughs> Spring Food Media.